When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your state, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me uh, our guest, Jair Klein, and we are discussing uh, our favorite topic, impact of uh, decarbonization on global business. Today's subset of discussion topic under that umbrella is, uh, what's the role of or how important is public opinion on decarbonization? Now, let me start with that. Uh, there is a report which has been uh, produced by the University of Cambridge. It's on U United Nations Sustainable Development Report 2020. It uh, was uh, for the reference here last year. Uh, it's a little bit alarming that for a second year in a row, the world is no longer making progress on these initiatives as measured by the Sustainable Development Goals Index. Actually, the score even declined in 2021 slightly. So the progress made since 2015 was impacted by the economic consequences of the pandemic and also the conflict which we are seeing. If you look at what happened to the decarbonization initiatives, just the energy-related carbon dioxide emission actually increased in 2021 by 6% which is at the highest level ever, and it reversed the gains which you got in global emissions in 2020 due to the pandemic, because that curtailed the use uh, a lot of energy. Another aspect which came out, this is in reference to 2019, that developed, developed countries also failed in the commitment to the climate action. In 2019, they were supposed to uh, spend 100 billion. Instead, they did 79.6. Now, the whole world is focused on it. Everybody is putting their best efforts, but we are all facing some major challenges. The states and governments, they have to find how do you align the socioeconomic factors, policy response driven by that, and to, uh, to address that as well as regulations, governance, taxes, whatever you do. But definitely, they, they have to increase the use of renewable energies to recover from the current situation where we are and reduce dependent on, dependence on carbon-based energies. And also, they have to shift the, the energy model. You know, how you're producing, how you're consuming it. And also, take advantage for building public opinion and building support of the circular economy. Because that creates local jobs. It prioritizes short-term supply chain, it promotes reuse, repair, recycle, and it limits or provides a limit on the transportation. So there are many factors which come into play here. But the most important ones, if you see, the, if you talk about public opinion, which you're going to discuss today, uh, there are a lot of things which come into play about the thinking about climate change and energy transition. And some of the key factors on those are 
Socio demographics, values and belief. What values certain segment of people are all carry individually, and what are their perceptions about climate change and the whole energy industry? And the last one: How is the media building an opinion and and creating and shaping a public opinion on issues like energy transition? So uh, I have my guest uh, Jr. Uh, to discuss that subject with us today, and Jr. Klein is the principal of Jr. Global, a consulting firm dedicated to facilitating global transformation through local initiatives. That they do by strengthening markets, by emphasizing leadership and strategic and systematic changes. He has been active in social impact finance for more than four decades. Uh, Mr. Jr. Klein is an Oxford University Press published author. He's published three books. He's a thinker, artist with expertise in organizational structure, cultural sensitivity, pragmatic leadership, planning, and social impact. His expertise on these wide variety of subjects, and especially on the social impacts, is recognized globally. Hi, Jr. Hello, Mahesh. It's good to hear from you again. Same here, JR. And now <clears throat> we are on our famous subject, uh, decarbonization, supporting the climate change. And we all know how climate change is impacting the whole planet. And uh, in last one year, we have seen a lot. In the summer of 2022, we saw floods. Then we have also seen droughts. We have seen heat waves. We have seen fires, and on top of that, we have seen their disastrous impact and consequences. Now that is a very, very alarming situation. So, all of us who watch the news, as well as corporation, governments, everybody has taken a note that climate change now is a reality. It is really hurting us, and. More than ever, we realize in the past because of uh, the scarcity of data or the cohesiveness of information coming to us, it looks like uh, now everybody is convinced that it threatens the future of our planet itself. And uh, to to reach the objective of carbon neutrality by 2050, where most of the nations, you know, they agreed. Uh, in, in, and and they must increase that efforts to dramatically reduce the CO2 emission. Now, a few good things have happened. In 2015, a historic decision was made. Uh, it was done at the UN when UN's adoption of the Sustainability Development Goals was established and then was the Paris Agreement to transform our planet into uh, a long-term sustainable world. Now, a lot of things have happened since then. The geopolitical situation, the economic changes, there are a lot of things happened to the economy. Uh, it got impacted by COVID and many other things happened. And the, the, the tensions are always there in the efforts, how to manage the ecological transition. Now, yeah. that rather economical transition that is on top of everybody's mind. Now, what has happened is the, the impact of COVID 
and a few things happening with the Russia-Ukraine conflict, what we see here, there is some lag coming up. There is some impact on the efforts for decarbonization happening. Now, let's say we are at certain stage in this process. Where are we as compared to the commitments countries made in 2015, then as recently as 2019, 2020, 21, instead of reduction in the carbon footprint, which was going down to 1.5 degrees C, uh, the total carbon emission last year has gone up. It has many reasons for that. If you ignore that, but we look at the future, what is needed to be done? So basically it, looked like, it looks like all the countries have to increase their efforts and dramatically reduce their CO2 emission. Now, that cannot happen by just one agency. Uh, it cannot be left only for businesses to do it. It can be possible by uh, governments if they take aggressive policies, regulations, and um, you know governance mechanism there. But overall, how does the most important thing which can impact the businesses as well as government is the public opinion. It has a major role even in pushing for the policies and commitments by uh, the corporation. So, Jair, uh, I would like you to share your thoughts about how public opinion in driving these to governments, to corporation, whatever it is, how it's going to shape the climate control or decarbonization mission. Uh, I thank you, Mahesh. That's a, that's a good summary. You know, last time we had a conversation, we talked about this despite uh, a lot of evidence addressing the urgency of decarbonization and its associated challenges, national and international politics are really behind in achieving their target. And there seems to be skepticism that complete carbonization, that that carbon zero, uh, can be even achieved in the 21st century. And, and we talked about at that time, what were some of the barriers? What were some of the things we saw? We talked about there's capital requirements. For example, investors um, that want to invest in this. Uh, the, the, there's a, a huge need for new infrastructure, which is going to be expensive. In addition to climate change, governments also must solve various other issues associated with health and uh, health insurance and payments of pensions in the future, um, educational improvements, et cetera. Uh, and, and in addition, that the, the profitability of the required investment in, I'll just take the energy uh, area, will not be high initially. It won't be. Now, now it'll, it'll grow in strength over time, we've, we've said. When one, of the, one of the things that, that is an, kind of adding to that skepticism is that the energy, the energy sector really needs to have some focused priorities um, that need to be sort of formulated in, in the way they think about their business. In addition, um, environmental policy, uh, they're also inconsistent, uh, inconsistent for a lot of reasons, one, some of which we'll talk more about today, 
um, the idea of political intention, lobbying efforts, populism, corruption often, often make the implementation of required policies not just impossible, but but cause the regression of of carbonization progress. And and so we get we get down to this this topic that uh, that you are suggesting, which is another reason for this skepticism. Uh, the common narrative in, in the world is that the population is not ready for the necessary lifestyle changes that will, will impact the climate. The assumption is that people... Um, but people um, are, see that they're very difficult uh, processes uh, that they have to take for decarbonization. And then, but the axiom, if we take this axiom, there's an old axiom that says change, changes, changing. It is apparent with the emergence of climate change and its severity that you mentioned, the severity of uh, global weather, it has begun to impact people's opinions on the priorities of dealing with it. And we also, we don't have to think back very far, but we can think back at the pandemic, which was a, a, a massive global event that is also making an impact on public opinion. Now, in the last five years, and I, I say that um, uh, generally, climate change is already disrupting the lives of billions of people. What was once considered a problem for the future uh, is raging all all around us right now. You know, from from the heat to the hurricanes, uh, climate fueled disasters are becoming uh, more costly and more common. The science the scientists really clearer than ever that rapid cuts in greenhouse gas emissions are needed to slow down this sort of profound change that's underway. Interesting, uh, um, a recent survey by the, by national in the U.S., National Public Radio, Harvard, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation uh, provided some pretty powerful evidence that widespread public experiences with extreme weather has shaped views about climate issues and policies for the future. Um, the results suggest that as weather disasters continue to worsen and become more prevalent, public views are gradually shifting toward greater support of many policies aimed at limiting climate change. As these severe weather events personally impact wider shares of the public. Yet the response is, is not meeting the urgency of the crisis, despite the fact that seven in 10 people uh, that, are, that are concerned about the impact of climate change on the planet and for a majority of the people globally, there are other issues they feel are more pressing, such as 
their family's health, uh, war, uh, financial concerns. People know that they have to change their behavior in order to address climate change. But if the issue is not at the top of their priorities, they're likely not to do so. Very true. I think what you're saying is very correct. And yeah, let me add here that this is a very important subject which which you are addressing that how to bring it to the top of the agenda for people around the planet. Let's take a short break and we will continue our discussion after the break. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome to Global Business uh, with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me uh, Mr. J.R. Klein, and we are talking about uh, climate change, basically decarbonization. Um, our show is impact of decarbonization in global business. But the aspect which uh, JR and I are discussing today is how does the public opinion influence decarbonization to support the goals for climate change? JR, you were talking um, about the process and how it gets done in the segment one. I would uh, like you to continue on that. Uh, yes, thank you. You know, we ended th- this last segment by saying that people know that they have to change their behavior in order to address this change, but uh, the issue is not at the top of their priority list. If it's not there, they're they're likely they're unlikely to do it. Uh, Very true. So, so unless unless there is an incentive that aligns with other priorities, like saving money or positively affecting the lives and well-being of their family, that they, they, those things can potentially move their opinion. There's, there's a real opportunity for business and for government to provide additional incentives and messaging to encourage change among consumers. But... <laughs> To do that, they must also recognize their their need for change. Uh, with with seventy seven percent of people globally holding government to account, and seventy six percent saying the same thing about business, it's clear that people expect real change in public policy and private and in the private sector. So. 
what what is the what what is the government's response to public concern? Uh, I would suggest that people across the world worry about climate change, and that cons- that concern alone does not really translate into support for climate mitigation policy. Uh, public uh, climate mitigation beliefs offer policymakers a better understanding of how to address the urgent challenge of climate change. Until governments have, uh, while governments have have, have um, ambitious goals, the world's not yet on track to to contain global warming. For part of the problem is the public understanding of government policy. Uh, Providing even small amounts of information on public efficiency and benefits, including co-benefits such such as air quality or or better health care, can stimulate greater support. This support, however, may be short-lived if, pol- if policy trade-offs are not made explicit, um, highlighting the importance of making sure that the public understands the relative cost and benefit of available policy options. The public is shaping government action and, and inaction on climate change. Uh, there, this is uh, more clear when you know, we see public referendum and and elections that have defeated initiatives for mitigation efforts. So, just a couple examples in Washington State, in the United States, in 2016, 2018, they had a referendum that that uh, that uh, didn't vote them in. Australian government uh, in 2013. They, they effectively elected a new government that promised that uh, the country would repeal carbon taxes. Uh, mm. it, it is it is also demonstrated by instances in which strong public backlash have led to the withdrawal of proposals for a new uh, climate policy. For example, criticism of the Yellow Vests uh, uh, movement uh, led the French government to drop a proposal for an increased tax on fossil fuel. Yeah. The power of public attitude is further suggested by uh, the correlation between climate change and beliefs of residents in, in various areas. I just mentioned it, it, it really evident in the United States where uh, state governments um, uh, uh, Really, I have a, a myriad of different uh, approaches, uh, policy efforts. In short, public opinion matters. Definitely, and, yes, you're so right. Yes, yes, and and if if ask about uh, their support for climate initiatives in the absence of reference to cost, uh, people tend to be supported. In principle, then, they support taking action, but this is a pretty low bar 
and people's willingness to support action does not match their willingness to pay for it. Correct. And, you know, I, I totally agree with you, JR. If you look at the energy transition, see, till now, the way it is appearing, uh, it is a fundamental part, uh, in a way, a policy response to climate change. There are regulation, there are governance, there are tax benefits, there are incentives. So climate change, yes, there is a public, uh, sorry, policy response by governments in a way you can put it. But who knows, or maybe somebody knows, that what are the factors which you are highlighting which shape the public attitudes about it? Let's say policy response has come in, but policy response is driving certain behaviors. But the most important part is which you are addressing, the public opinion. They're part of it, they're not part of it, how much percentage of it? Now, if you look at it, there could be three major questions which uh, you are alluding to, that how supportive, that's, that needs to be identified, which can accelerate the whole process, how supportive the people are for energy transition. That's number one. Number two is uh, what pre-existing ideas they do have. Mm -hmm. It is, like I will give an example, support, somebody supports a party A, political party, but political party B is in power. They're doing everything right, giving a good policy response. Would they being a supporter of a political system called A, their ideology, will they support it or will they resist this? Now, these are some of the topics which are on table and it's not only about politics, it is about economics also. It is about climate change. What are the pre-existing ideas? Do they believe in it or not? Now, in, in, the belief in climate change has got so reinforced as we discuss with the floods and the fires and the droughts and all this kind of stuff. And what do they think about energy? You know, there, there are a lot of public views, energy transition, people use fossil fuel vehicles, they use power. They may not be knowing where it's coming from or they would be knowing. But what are the pre-existing ideas? How they need to be molded into supporting the energy transition and that public opinion majority goes towards driving it uh, along with the government policies and policy response being put on that. The third one is how I would say moldable is a public opinion about this transition. Now, we may have the largest um, uh, uh, economy run by a democracy where there could be an opportunity for people to think through and change their ideas, bases, media, or many other kind of things, you know, or knowledge, depending on gender, diversity, what's your education level. So education level also will come into play here. You have too much of poverty. You may not be able to influence public opinion there because they may be looking for basic requirements of food, shelter, and clothing, et cetera, right? Now, if you go to the number two economy, which is not a democracy, as well as it's a humongous country on way, uh, or rather now almost there in industrialization, can public opinion be influenced? Or if not influence the political system, there is it uh, is powerful enough to command respect or adherence to the policy response they're providing. So basically, 
Well, I totally agree with you that there are a lot of these pieces which come into play. There, there are certain provinces, cities, or states which depend on fossil fuel. Their whole economy is dependent on it. You know, for them to say, okay, now close it down, we will go to renewables because that will provide us uh, a, a positive impact on climate change. So one thing is for sure, as you rightly also mentioned, the results till now of the, all the surveys and all the ex social experiments indicate that, yes, it's quite popular. The energy transition, people across the world are liking. They're aligning there. And uh, definitely the, the pre-existing ideas, uh, the values and beliefs about economy, politics, which party left or right, what they, uh, what they think about, they worry about climate change. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and in future, you never know, uh, as some of the economies uh, may not be able to hit the target of 2050 by moving away from oil and gas. But you see, some of the major uh, growing economies are already committed. Okay, here's a plan. We had signed up for 2050. But in the current situation, as we know more about it, as we are driving regulations, governance, it may be shifting by a few years. But still, the focus is not gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the, the people are talking about it. And definitely, the the clean energy, or you say fossil fuel, and there comes a cost with it, which people bear. So yes. policymakers, basically, uh, would see that there could be economic risk, but uh, that will come if they continue to rely on fossil fuel, because the move to renewable energy is also contributing to circular economy and creating some extra jobs. Yeah, that's 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 right. That's right. You know, it, what, what, if I stop for a second and I think, uh, you know, environmental problems exist because individuals benefit more than they pay for polluting behavior. Ah, that's a very good point. Yeah. And 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 in those scenarios that you're talking about, you know, voluntarily refraining from engaging in such behavior, it actually requires some self denial, you know. And 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 you're talking about you're talking about uh, governments and government uh, action or interaction here. Um, and at, at the people level, internationally, people favor. Uh, unilateral action contrary to collective action, okay? That's unilateral, you know, one country doing its thing versus a collective action. If people are willing to take action at some personal cost, the collective action obstacle uh, to action on climate change might not be so serious. Uh, this is this is surprising as as climate change is a is a global problem, and the logic of collective action suggests that countries will pay a price for taking action without coordination. Yet, in many countries, as you're pointing out, um, there are nonetheless uh, there nonetheless they're they're making those those. Uh, you know, unilateral efforts and lay people surprisingly support their country's proposals to take unilateral action uh, 
uh, regardless of whatever other whatever other countries do. In fact, uh, I'm so sorry, Ajay. It's a very interesting discussion, but I have to take a short break, and uh, we will continue our um, very exciting and uh, encouraging discussions after the break. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me uh, Mr. Jair Klein, and we are talking about uh, impact of public opinion on implementing the decarbonization strategies and ultimately climate change. JR, uh, very good discussion in segment two. We are in segment three now. Important point which comes to everybody's mind. What does the public think across the world? How do you know it? And, and how important and effective that should be? Uh, you, you mentioned that uh, a little earlier in our conversation here um, uh, about what we know about it. You know, there, there's an urgent need for more research on public attitude toward policies uh, for mitigating greenhouse gas emission. Uh, we know much less about people's preferences for public action and attitudes toward specific policies than their than their perception of the problem. Okay, in other words, they they I can understand the problem, but they really we don't really don't know very much about what they think about it. For example, uh, it remains puzzling that people are so hostile to policies that are for putting a, a price on emissions. Um, that given that most people around the world report being quite concerned about global climate change. And, and economists say pricing uh, is the, the lowest cost means of achieving uh, pollution mitigation. So, so, so we're, the public is thinking one way and the reality is really in another way. Yeah, the, the, there's surprisingly little research literature on people's preferences about what to do about climate change and about other environmental problems that, that likely reflects that the, the public is unsure about uh, fairness or 
more effective or more efficient solutions. They, they just don't know. Aside, aside from the controversial role of adaption and individual voluntary efforts, the, the policy issues are complex. And lay people are often unaware of, of policies already in place. Many, many members of the public do not necessarily understand the externalities driving environmental problems. Environmentalist, uh, environmentalism uh, can come across to many as a, as a sacrifice rather than a means of addressing costly market failures harming humans and, and non-humans well-being. Awareness of behavior and measures that are truly environmentally significant is low. So, so more research is urgently needed about how to appeal to people who are otherwise opposed to climate policy. Aside from the question of what type of policy lay people prefer, there are variable features of given policies that may affect their popularity, plus, plus different kinds of framing and messages. A number of studies have, have, have found that earmarking uh, the revenues of environmental taxes, for example, increase support. More studies could do well to assess what kind of earmarking works best mm. for spending on environmental programs, uh, offset cuts uh, to other taxes or flat dividend paybacks for every adult. More, more generally, the public appears to hold many misconceptions about how environmental policy works. Thus far, only a few studies have tested ways of, of uh, correcting those, those misconceptions and or, or, or seeing that seeing what difference uh, such corrections could make. Despite the difficulty of surveying people about their attitudes toward other kinds of policies, including some that they may require explanation, there is a need to know about public openness to them. So, so to, to, to bring this little thing to an end, give, give the, given the hostility to taxation as a policy instrument, it, it may be that the political cost relative to the economic benefits are far inferior to the sort of flexible regulation at flex regs, such as, as uh, uh, fuel efficiency or auto fuel economy standards. Mm -hmm. Certain kinds of technologies mandates that public support for innovation are also likely to play an important role in deep decarbonization. Yet we know little about public opinion toward them. Even less is known about public attitudes toward just transitional as assistance for displaced workers or, or carbon tariffs, despite policymakers' high and 
rising level of interest in those policies, there's there's still a lot of work left to be done in these areas. I know. You see, if you look at it, all of them, if you look what can impact it from public opinion, there could be a lot of things. The social backgrounds, like what is the social background? This is like your, your characteristics, gender, age, socioeconomic status, location, and what's your like family status, parent, parenthood, or parental status. Now, public opinions, they all get influenced by these for, for individuals. You know, as they say, uh, and there have been there have been a lot of uh, studies on climate change that education remains a very strong predictor of the awareness about climate change across the world. There was a study which came out that higher the education, the better it is. But I don't know whether it can be supported fully because if you see the people in rural areas, they see what is happening around them. There are wind farms, there are solar. They're more aware of it. They're seeing it, whereas living in city, you may not see it. But who can use it more is if a guy is living in rural and he has to travel, he has no other way but to use a fossil fuel car unless you have other kind of vehicle, uh, which doesn't use for fossil fuel. But somebody living in urban area, they normally have the highest demands for energy, right? Rural don't have that much. <clears throat> but in densely populated city, there is a structure in, in their daily lives which can mitigate or minimize the use of fossil fuel for trans transportation, which can impact climate change, like walking, using cycle, or nothing else, using public transit. Now, it is not available in all the cities, but rural people will have these issues for efficiency. So now, those are not available to rural people. So, so there's a dichotomy there. But normally they say uh, which way uh, the surveys say. Now, all, uh, very interesting. They say women are more likely than men uh, to be interested in knowing about climate change. And, 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 and uh, surprising was the younger people are more likely that uh, uh, there can be scientific, it is scientifically possible, should be done about uh, the existence of things around us and implications. So decarbonization is for real. We have to do it and it can be done. Now, having said that, that although they're open to new ideas about uh, the technologies, but there is certain element in, in young Americas, if you see, uh, are the young Americans, they're resistant to new information about climate change. Then the older counterparts, the older guys are willing to take it. This came in one of the research. Uh, I think either it was Feldman or by Bogstead. Uh, and uh, other pieces, because why I'm sharing this is because it's a very complex equation, which will define the total public opinion and how complex this matter is. People normally in high income group, uh, they are looking at, uh, climate change and they are willing to go for mitigation and they're over, even willing to pay more for that, like moving uh, from uh, uh, the normal power from fossil fuel to solar, uh, buying on a grid, even if it's a little bit costly. They're willing to take it, you know, and, and, and they see the benefits of renewable energy, the wind turbine and all this kind of stuff. They're willing to support it. So <clears throat> another piece which uh, comes up for discussion that when there is a family status change, 
like you become parents. Does it normally lead for parents when they become mother or father that to be more concerned about this issue and about the climate change? No one knows, but there is some data which is coming up, which is come through a research. Uh, I don't know the scope of that research done by Thomas a few years back, that they are less worried than the children who are worried about climate change that can in, that basically can be used to induce their parents, to push their parents for increasing their level of concern on it. So the complexity of, uh, of this public opinion and, and public response seems to be a pretty complex, I would say in mathematical term equation, just on social background part of it. And you can classify in many different ways and how do women expect it, how the younger people, level of education, who support, who doesn't support, what is the response of older people, how does a lower level of education mean? Now, lower level of education in a poor country or a developing country would be very different than a developed country because the environment may be able to make them think differently or the role of media here how they're impacting it, how they're making it a cause to share in a way that normal people adapt to it as a reality, not as a documentary. You know, there's a way you can talk about climate change as a documentary to try to impress people, or it becomes part of daily news to influence the public opinion and thinking about it. There are, There, there is, it seems, a lot of complexity, but on a very important thing, because public opinion will matter because they create the governments unless you're not a democracy. I'm not saying that they can influence everywhere because there are some autocracies still in the world or there are so-called uh, in-between things which are not purely democratic. So, Jair, uh, at this stage, we have come to the end of our segment three. I will take a short break and let's continue our discussion after the break. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me Mr. J.R. Klein, and we are talking about public opinion on decarbonization and its impact on making it happen. Jair, thank you so much. We are in our fourth and last session. Uh, very interesting discussions. 
I would like you to um, uh, elaborate on any other point you have, and then would love to have your closing comments. Okay, thanks, thanks, Mahesh. Uh, we we talked about individ uh, individual uh, public opinion. We talked about government. I don't want to leave business off the hook because in business, it's public opinion is very important. Public opinion is consumer demand. Uh, consumer preferences drive entire industries to change, and no matter what market or what section, uh, they're impacted. As consumers across the globe call on companies and brands to behave in a more sustainable and eco-friendly way, research suggests that the top three issues they want companies and brands to focus on are, are um, reducing waste, uh, reducing air and water pollution, and tackling the issue of plastic pollution in packaging and product. New research shows support for sustainable businesses growing in developed and in undeveloped or, or developing countries. The message is loud and clear. Today, consumers around the world want to live more uh, sustainably. Many expect businesses to play a positive role in society and feel that brands bear as much responsibility as government to provide positive change. Momentum has been building for some time around brand purpose. That, that is basically the reason, the reason it, to exist beyond making money. Uh, that it is no longer acceptable or smart to ignore sustainability in business. Interestingly, a uh, a key finding in a global report from the uh, economic, economic, excuse me, the Economists Intelligence Unit, which is uh, funded by the uh, World Wildlife Federation or fund, um, shows that a staggering seventy-one percent increase in online. Uh, sustainability goods globally over the past five years. This this eco uh, awakening is not just occurring among consumers in high income countries. It is also strong in developing and emerging economies. The tend toward more mindful consumption has accelerated over the last decade, but changing changes in attitudes and actions have increased more rapidly due to the pandemic. Uh, it, it, it continues to shape and shift consumer and lifestyle behavior across the globe. Research tells us that 58% of adults are more mindful of their impact on the environment and a whopping 85% say that they are uh, willing to take personal action to combat environmental and sustainable challenges. That there's a paradox in this. There's a paradox here. Despite public awareness of and concern about climate change, sustainable options for consumers often require too much sacrifice. Uh, lacking accessible and affordable climate-friendly choices 
are barriers to sustainable consumption. Individuals, individual identities and cultural norms also uh, prevent the shift in deep-rooted behaviors uh, towards sustainable lifestyles. For instance, nutrition habits can be deeply rooted in social and, and cultural heritage, uh, which may complicate uh, choices that are plant-based over meat-based diets. Consumers expect more support from business to help them shift to climate-friendly behaviors. Meanwhile, business has been waiting for more demand for sustainable products so that they can be sure they can reap the benefits of consumer loyalty and profit. In, in light of the urgent need to advanced decarbonization, business must take the lead to change available options and defaults for climate-friendly living and to help consumers understand how these solutions uh, are actionable and relevant to them. Now, large-scale change in social norms and behavior uh, begins with an uh, initial catalyst that that affects uh, early public consciousness of a particular issue. It catalysts like this. They, they include uh, individual actors, individuals or groups uh, that engage in advocacy or organizations that function as uh, strategic neutral facilitators for, for stakeholders uh, to unite industry and public policy. Catalysts can also be internal events that that fundamentally alter society. The record floods in Germany, uh, wildfires in Austria, the drought in California, a heat wave around the world are, are prime examples. But large scale and durable momentum for social change is likely institutionally led. Uh, it I is, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it, it, is, it is an unrivaled driver and these institutions are primarily business and government, and they can act as powerful levers for lasting systemic change through corporate agendas and, and, and legal agendas. And the social change engines like, like individuals and groups, including media, academia, uh, uh, civil societies, uh, find, that, uh, find that when they can leverage institutional reform. Yeah. Uh, got a couple I think what of you're saying is very correct because you know all of them have major impact jr and um, unfortunately we have come to the end of our segment four but just to summarize what you're saying the, the need for acceleration and global uh, mobilization is really serious and uh, as some of the data shows uh, there is uh, the risk of exceeding the threshold of 1.5 degree average temperature increase, which was a target for net zero because of uh, some of the factors which impacted uh, our planet in past few years. So definitely people as well as nations, countries need to accelerate and maybe redouble the efforts and, and, and reaffirm the commitment to make these major transition because there is a, a great uncertainty and there is an insecurity. If you look at it present situation, if not one quarter slightly less than that of world, world population, 
is living in a country in, in which is in conflict. Very strange situation. Can you make them think about climate change and decarbonization? Now, here is the social, socioeconomic factors coming into play. We had a health crisis. Then we had a Ukraine war, which has uh, given food crisis, which has created a shortage of resources, and then the, the debt on the developing countries. And then on top of it, we are going through in, inflation. So, so as it is, uh, when you change, there's a resistance to that. Beyond that, we got this. Now, governments will have to work on many fronts. So now they will have to work for peaceful solutions if they have to work for peace. And this cannot happen unless we have international cooperation. And international cooperation will happen when we have shared objectives. So somebody has to create those shared objectives. Luckily, uh, in, in our planet, we have bodies like UN and some others who are driving it, and they have very ambitious plans. And the governments have ambitious plans of financing this global ecological transition. Europe has, um, Europe has, uh, is coming out with a major plan, and uh, US has done a lot, supporting it by hydrogen shard, the Inflation Reduction Act, all helping towards decarbonization. And, and it is really helping in green innovations, like green technologies, which help in decarbonization. And also the governance measures are coming up. And so some of the countries that put taxes on it, at the same time, if you do well, they are, they are giving incentives also. So overall, it looks like uh, if, if we can channel uh, the fast building uh, public opinion about decarbonization and climate change, Government actually have a lot to gain by investing in decarbonization. They can change the game. Uh, and many of these problems which we are facing in decarbonization today can only be fixed with their interventions. They will have to moderate the energy practices that how energy is getting generated, how energy is being used, and where it is being used. Now, even in the in, in, in some of the developed countries and many other places where politicians are very pro-business, they will all agree on something common that government, government in intervention is definitely needed to make decarbonization happen. And if they don't do, even with the public opinion, or people may change the government, uh, but even the public opinion will not get supported and it will suffer. And this really needs a lot of uh, very high level of focus and attention from all the leaders across the world as we are to push for, you know, a, a tipping point where the fossil fuel does not remain uh, rather the primary source to provide energy for everyone, but it changes to something else. If it, that doesn't happen, then the fighting for the climate change and keeping the 1.5 degree would be very difficult. So JR, uh, thank you so much for joining today. Great session and I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.